Shut up and sit down. All guns loaded and I'm back, motherfuckers. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to the show. If you um, have already listened to episode 42, then you'll know that we're double barreling uh, today and we're coming at you with a double tap uh, headshot. Coming at you with two episodes today. First one, episode 42, that's done and dusted. That'll be up now. Go ahead and get that. Download, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know where to find us at by now. If you don't, you better ask somebody. Um, and if you don't want to ask somebody, just go over to SoundCloud or iTunes or our Facebook page or our Twitter page, and you'll find all of the relevant necessary information there. <laughs> right. Round two in this bitch today. And we're going in. The reason, as you already know, if you've listened to episode 42, is because we have a massive UFC event on this weekend. UFC 226, which has... Um, well, at least two massive fights, if not three. And I say two, maybe three, because on the third, I don't really know what we're going to get, but it's going to be very, very interesting. And for the sake of cutting this thing down, not doing an over-the-top analysis of it, I'll leave that to the MMA hour, I'll leave that to MMA junkie, I'll leave that to everybody else that's out there. They can break this shit down. What I want to do is wanna give you a, I want to give you a look at the five fights on the main card. What the implications of those fights are, who I maybe think uh, is gonna come out victorious in those fights, and just give you a little bit of a breakdown of what you can expect to see if you are tuning in uh, to UFC 226 this weekend. As a reference point in terms of anybody in the UK, this will be a 3 a.m. main card start. So that means that the prelims will be on at 1 a.m. and you'll be able to watch those on BT Sport or uh, UFC Fight Pass if you happen to be a subscriber of that service. Um, if you have the BT Sport package on Sky or if you're a BT Sport subscriber in general, you will get this event as part of your regularly scheduled program. Now, do we stay up for it? Maybe. Depends what we've got going on Sunday. Because this is going to be Saturday night, 3 a.m., right? So actually Sunday morning, technically. Um, but the main event will kick off at 3 a.m. and finish somewhere around 6 with all the commercials and what have you. So my personal preference is just to record these and make it make it sort of like my church service on a, on a Sunday morning, right? I wake up because... As I may have said to you guys before on the show, I don't set an alarm on Sunday. It's the only day of the week I don't set an alarm. Um, it's the only day of the week that I truly allow myself uh, to sleep in, um, get a few extra hours, unless I'm wildly hungover from a Friday night, in which case I might sack the gym off on a Saturday. And I know that's terrible to say, but fuck you. Um, sometimes it happens. Um, and this Saturday could potentially be one of those because I'm going to see a cricket match on Friday night with some of my friends. Um, I've never been to a cricket match, and they've assured me that uh, the tickets that we have will be for the fastest, most exciting version of cricket that there is, which is, I guess, T20, um, and is over in a few hours rather than 
<coughs> a few days like the normal test cricket is. But I've uh, I've seen cricket played on TV, and that makes me want to poke both of my eyeballs out with dull pencils. Um, so I've been assured that the live event is a much better time, and at the end of the day, it's just a good evening out on a Friday with some of the boys. So uh, we'll see how carried away it gets, but you know, potentially uh, Saturday might be a no-go. We'll see how we feel, especially with this fucking heat. It's such a nightmare to get up and you know, you have a hot night's sleep and you wake up all sweaty and gross, even with the fans on and everything. And, uh, and the last thing you wanna do is get up and go to the gym and fuck around, but I do it anyways. Um, Unless I'm severely hungover, um, which doesn't happen all the time, but on occasion has been known to. So we'll see how that works out. But in terms of the UFC, getting back to what we're here to talk about, it's probably going to be a recorded and watch it on Sunday morning. Um, I just think that the UFC is becoming very, very saturated, right? Like I'm... In the past, I've been a huge advocate for sports. I've been a huge advocate for the sports that I love, NBA, um, UFC, uh, you know, used to be massively into golf, uh, used to be massively into uh, the NFL, uh, I was into baseball when I was younger, and I would evangelize these things, and I would proselytize how good they were to, to the uninitiated and everything like that, but people are so fucking greedy these days that the art of the sport comes secondary to the commercialization of the sport, let's say. And the UFC is no different now. And it's really starting to fucking piss me off because ultimately what's gone on is they're putting multiple events on multiple times a month. And they still expect people to pay $60, $70 in America, North America for the pay-per-view. You know, I pay 15 quid a month for my subscription to BT Sport, or maybe it's like 20 now. Um, but that gives me all of the American sports, generally baseball, some football, uh, basketball, and then like the UFC and stuff like that. But I don't use it for any of that. However, if my subscription cost any more than that, I'm canceling it. Because I can get this shit downloaded illegally online. Easily. And that's why their fucking ratings suffer so bad. Is because they put these huge prices on people. They do so many events every month. And people are just like, well, the last one was shit and I paid for that. Why the fuck am I going to pay so much for this? When I've already got my Netflix subscription, when I've already got my Hulu subscription, when I've got my Amazon Prime subscription, when I've got my my Virgin Internet subscription, you know, all of these different services that we pay for, my Apple Music, my Spotify, you know, whatever it is, we've got all of these subscriptions and they're like a tenner a month, right? Eight quid a month, something like that. But then you just lump on like a couple of events a month and one of them $70 a month. It's just ridiculous. And I know why they're doing it because they, you know, because the UFC sold to William Morris Enterprises, the talent agency for 4.8 billion or 4.6 billion or whatever it is. And they want to make that money back. I get it. I get it. But in doing so through such forced manners, you're super saturating it and you're overexposing it and you're making people disinterested. Not only that, but the quality of the fights you're putting on is not as good. 
categorically it's not as good. Now, when you get a, an event like the one we've got this weekend, you can you can claw some of that back a little bit. However, I don't think this is going to do the pay-per-view numbers that perhaps the UFC expect it to because nobody on this card is a massive pay-per-view draw. In fact, nobody in the organization currently is a massive pay-per-view draw. Connor is the only notable pay-per-view draw that the UFC has, and he's out. So you're scrambling to get these fights. You're scrambling to get this viewership. You're scrambling to keep people interested, and you're scrambling to expand into international markets. However, you can only rely, uh, rely on the advertising revenue for that, um, and that tops out at a certain level, right? Which is why, actually, from a viewer point of view, it's better to record these events and watch them the next day, because effectively what you do is you can turn a four-hour event into an hour-and-a-half event by just fast-forwarding through all the shit commercials that they stick on every goddamn segment possible. It's ridiculous. There's more fucking adverts than there are fight time. And it's so interruptive. Again, linear broadcast television is so shit. So archaic. And that's just proven, point in case, if you were to try to watch a UFC event in real time on television. It's impossible. It's so hard to do. Which is why I also switched off from the NBA. Because the NBA is a 48-minute match that takes three and a half hours to get through because of the commercials, because of the breaks, because of we got to make money element of it. It's fucking garbage, and I'm not interested in it. So I'll record it, I'll fast forward it, and I'll get through a four-hour event in an hour and a half and continue with the rest of my day. I suggest you guys do the same thing. Because not only that, but it's a better viewing experience. Who the fuck wants to sit around and watch commercials for three hours? Because that's literally the split on it. It's awful. Awful. So, record this shit. It's on at three anyways. You get up at, you know, if you're like me on a Sunday, I'm up at seven. Which is pretty pretty pathetic when I hear myself say it. And that's a lion. Um, but I'm up early. I'll watch that, you know, and by sort of nine o'clock, 9.30, I'm good to go, ready to get on with the day. Um, so, you know, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. So prelims are on at one. And we're not talking about the prelims. There are a couple of fights on there. Um, you know, Uriah Hall versus, uh, what's his name? De uh, Paolo Costa um, should be a good one. Uh, Paul Felder and Mike Perry, that should be a pretty good scrap. And then there's Rob Font and uh, Raphael Asunsau. We've also got Melinda versus Griffin, Max Griffin um, versus Curtis, Curtis Melinda, which, again, probably going to be a very good fight. And <laughs> don't give a fuck, okay? So um, we're going to skip right over all that bullshit. All I will say is that I don't like Paul... Uh, not Paul Felder, I really like Paul Felder. I don't like... Uh, Mike Perry. Mike Perry to me is Colby Covington with less skill. Right? Talk shit for the sake of talking shit. Seems forced. Seems labored. Doesn't seem authentic. He's got a goofy ass fucking haircut. He's got a goofy ass uh, haircut on his facial hair where he's got like stripes and shit shaved in it. He's a fucking, he's a fucking idiot. I mean, just look at the guy. If you go onto the fight card, look at the guy. He looks like a cunt. 
Paul Felder, great commentator when he does that as a side gig. You know, good uh, good striker, good skill set all around. Um, he's just got to be careful of Mike Perry's overhand right because that's literally all he does. Literally all he does. So I hope Paul Felder wins. Uh, Mike Perry's unranked as he fucking well should be. Paul Felder's ranked 14. So this does nothing really for Paul Felder other than gives him like a shit talker to deal with. So... It's neither here nor there. I just want Paul Felder to win because like Colby Covington, I can't fucking stand Mike Perry. I just think they do such a disservice to the sport. It's taking us more down the WWE and we need less of that and we need more of the Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic type of uh, personas, the Max Holloway, uh, Brian Ortega, who are our main and co-main events um, on this card and we'll get to them in just a minute. But... Uh, I just don't like people like Mike Perry in everyday life, in sport, whatever. They just fucking, they just rub me the wrong way. So um, the main fight on the prelims is, like I said, Paulo Costa versus Uriah Hall. That's um, that's uh, Uriah Hall 9, Paulo Costa ranked 10th um, in the middleweight division. And I don't know, I just, I'll go with Paulo Costa because I just... I think there was so much hype around Uriah Hall and he just hasn't lived up to it. He's such a phenomenal athlete, but he just doesn't seem to be able to kind of put it together. Like if he does, he looks great. If he doesn't, he looks like shit. So it's kind of like who's coming to play. But he's got a salty 14-8 and record and Paulo Costa is clearly on the up and up. He's 11-0. and So I'm going to go with um, Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa. Um, plus I like his nickname, the Eraser. So I'm going to go with him. And he looks like a goddamn superhero. Um, if you thought Uriah Hall looked like a superhero, check out fucking Paulo Costa's um, profile picture on the fight card. It's ridiculous. Um, so let's go into the main card because I'm not going to make this a long episode. I want to get through it. Um, I want to give you guys the fucking the info and then I'm going to bounce. Um, so first fight on the main card is Gokan Saki and Khalil Roundtree. Now, Khalil Roundtree is a very explosive fighter. <coughs> Excuse me. So rude to sneeze on the podcast. Khalil Roundtree is a um, is an explosive fighter, wrestling base, that sort of thing. And he's been purposely given to Gokan Saki because if you don't know who Gokan Saki is, go and YouTube him. Okay. Um, Gokan Saki is, is, um, is a phenomenal kickboxer. If he stands, if Khalil stands with Gokan Saki, this is going to be over quick. The only chance Khalil has is to take Gokan Saki down and hope he can do work on That's it. Because if he stands with him, Gokan Saki is going to tear him apart. He's too prolific of a kickboxer. He's too skilled, um, with his stand-up, and Khalil Roundtree just won't be able to hang with him. It's just as simple as that. Um, so if Khalil can take him down, maybe you can put him into an uncomfortable position, but um, that will be the determining factor, I think, because if he stands with Gokan Saki, he's going to get knocked the fuck out. His technique's too clean. He's got far too much experience as a kickboxer. I think he was in K1 as well um, as a champ, uh, but he's, you know, he's been around, man. He's been around, and he is just, from a kickboxing standpoint, you know, he's one of the best. So it's basically takedown or fucking take a hike for Khalil Roundtree. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Moving on, 
We're going to the uh, 155 lightweight division, and we've got number 12, Anthony Pettis, former champ, versus um, number 9, Michael Chiesa. Um, Michael Chiesa was due a fight earlier, I think, in the year, but had a cut on his face from when Connor threw a dolly at the bus. Um, but dumbly, dumbly? <laughs> it's really dumb to say something stupid when it's related to someone else being stupid. And I think dumbly just fucking nails that on the head. So apologies for that, guys. Um, stupidly enough, Michael Chiesa should have kept his goddamn mouth shut and not taking a fight until the civil shit with Connor was taken care of. Because I'm not a lawyer, but I'm thinking if he comes and signs up to a fight, which he has done with Anthony Pettis, he is now not going to get a goddamn penny from Connor. Because he hasn't done irreparable damage, he hasn't caused him loss of income, you know, he might get a little, a little taste, but he's not going to get any significant money. Uh, in a lawsuit or a civil suit against Connor for throwing that trolley or that dolly at a bus. So, I guess good on him for getting past it, saying fuck it and getting back in and fighting. Because Chiesa is a fighter, no doubt about it. But also, I kind of wonder who's advising him because there could have been a fat-ass paycheck in there that probably would have paid him four or five times what he gets paid per fight. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see. But this matchup specifically sees Anthony Pettis coming back to try to re take a resurge um, approach at the lightweight title. Personally, it's not happening is my thoughts because he had his flair. He had his time at the pinnacle of the sport. He was a champ. You know, he was a champ for a while. Then he got beat pretty decisively a couple of times. And I just think personally... His style has been figured out. I think the game is evolving past just the, you know, not that Anthony Pettis isn't a well-rounded fighter because he is. He's a super well-rounded fighter, but there's just an evolution to this game, and I don't think based on injuries, time off, you know, having defeats, um, stack up on him a little bit. He's now 20 and seven. I think that can just affect the guy's mentality, and I don't know if Duke Rufus. Um, like, Duke Rufus is an amazing trainer, right? One of the best camps out there. But I just don't see what they're doing to keep their fighters on the level. Because the only real notable character out of that gym now is Sergio Pettis. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what kind of... We'll see what kind of performance we can get from Anthony um, Showtime Pettis. But anybody thinking that you're going to see a run off the cage, you know, ninja kick like he did to Benson Henderson in WEC is uh, is having a bit of a laugh because I don't think that's going to happen. And I think those days ultimately have passed for Pettis. Now, Michael Chiesa has come off of a loss versus Kevin Lee. Um, he got submitted where he said he didn't tap, but, you know, so on and so forth. That fucking moved past it. He was going out, but he's uh, he's about as game as they come. So I expect him to take it to Pettis. He's not afraid to be on the ground with him. Um, obviously, the advantage on stand-up would definitely go to Anthony Pettis on that, but, you know, he can still hold his own. He did relatively okay uh, with with Kevin Lee on the feet and Kevin Lee is you know is in my opinion the next one in the 155 pound division so you know you know Kiesa can hang you know he can he can do work on the ground and I expect him to give Anthony Pettis a, a, a really good fight and I expect him to come out actually victorious in this fight because I just think 
again, he's the newer breed. He's got less damage. He's hungry. He's higher ranked than Pettis. He's number nine in the division. Um, and he's got a fucking solid game. So his cardio is great. Um, again, he's super technical on the ground. Um, we've seen Pettis get worked on the ground. Um, we've seen Pettis do work on the ground, but I just think from a, from a current standing, I think Kiesa is in a better position, but it is a chance that if Anthony Pettis can keep his standing, that he could do some work on the feet, out kickbox him, out strike him. He's got very, very, very uh, flexible legs. He's got great kicks, um, but we'll see. You know, um, personally, I think Kiesa will get it done, um, but it should be uh, it should be a pretty good fight. They're both pretty dynamic fighters. They're both looking to get in, uh, you know get into that engagement point and get it going. They're not really timid kind of hold back fighters. So we'll see what happens, but uh, that should be a good one. Um, Seventy one percent of Michael Kiesa's fights end in submission, by the way. So he does like to get it on the ground. He's got long limbs and can definitely get those chokes. Uh, sunk in from anywhere. So we'll see. Um, moving on, the Coco main event is two of the biggest motherfuckers that you will ever see in your life. One has the hardest recorded punch in the history of recorded punches, and the other one is a gangster from Texas um, who, every time he gets on the mic after he beats somebody, asks where Ronda Rousey is because he really wants to fuck her. Um, also has the funniest Instagram account of any fighter on the roster, bar none, not even close, and that's Derek Lewis. So you've got a heavyweight contender fight here between Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. And Francis Ngannou is, you know, he's the Terminator. He's... You know, he's the predator, basically, coming to just murder anything that stands in his way, which he was doing very, very successfully until he fought the champ, uh, Stipe Miocic, who said, no, that's cool. I'm not going to walk into your fucking cinder block lunchbox hands. I'm going to stay away from you, tire your ass out, because I know you've never been on a fucking treadmill, and I know you've never done a, an a single round of wrestling in your entire life so let's drag this bitch into deep waters and see how long you can last and sure enough by the end of the first round Francis Ngannou couldn't even hold his fucking hands up and then from there it was just a matter of wearing him down um, until he couldn't move anymore so hopefully he's been on the treadmill since that fight um, I mean he came back and basically took Alistair Overeem's was it was that Overeem was before or after Stipe I want to get that right. Um, let me just have a quick look. Before. It was before. So he knocked Alistair Overeem's head off to get to the Stipe fight. That's right, because everybody thought he was going to knock out Stipe as well, just like he did to um, Alistair Overeem, which obviously wasn't the case. And... Um, he got outworked. So what we understood after the fight with Stipe was that Francis Ngannou doesn't have any wrestling. He doesn't have any cardio. And his striking is average. But he's such a fucking powerhouse with such fast twitch muscle fibers that he develops an explosiveness in his punches that combined with his body mass and his stature as a person can just unleash absolute fucking hell on anybody that he connects with. So, who calls him out? Derek Lewis calls him out. The Black Beast also 
has that kind of hitting power. Now, we haven't seen it demonstrated as badly as we've seen it demonstrated with Nganu, but nevertheless, everybody knows, and that's why everybody wanted to see this fight happen. They know that if Derek Lewis connects, he can break jaws, he can dislocate necks, just like Nganu can do. However, there are, there are some memes going around the internet saying this mashup should be done in a different style of fighting, and what <laughs> and what they go on to say is that it should be three rounds that are one minute long with a 10 minute rest in between. No wrestling, no ground and pound, no jujitsu, just stand in the middle and smash each other's faces in. I actually think the complete opposite of that is going to happen in this fight. I actually think that Derek Lewis is going to use his wrestling because he's an explosive fighter. He used to play, um, I don't think professional, I think collegiate football in America. So he's definitely got athleticism and explosiveness based on the body composition and the training that you would have to do in um, high-level collegiate football in the States. So he's definitely explosive. And I actually expect Derek Lewis to take Francis Ngannou down because we know he has such a discrepancy in his wrestling and in his cardio. I think you're going to see Derek Lewis try to take him down, ground and pound him a little bit, wear him out, and then see where it goes from there. So it's not championship rounds because there's nothing on um, on the line in terms of titles and it's not a main event. So we're not getting five rounds. So it is a three-round, uh, five-minute, three five-minute round fight which will allow them to go a little bit you know, heavier than a main event, but neither of these guys are running a marathon anytime soon. Neither of these guys are looking to do any distance running or distance training anytime soon. They're both huge, they're both carrying a ton of mass, they're both explosive as shit, and I think they're gonna wanna put the other man on a poster. So. I think the way that Derek Lewis does that is by wearing Nganu down because we know he doesn't have any lungs for the sport. He's five years into his training with this sport and he doesn't have any real, real capabilities other than raw power, athleticism and just, you know, the God-given frame he was uh, he was born with. So anyways, if, if it was me, I would take his ass down. I'd try to take his ass down and beat the shit out of him on the ground, then let him back up and see what he's working with once he can't breathe or he's gasping for air. I'm going to go with Derek Lewis to win this fight with the caveat that if Francis Ngannou hits him, Derek Lewis could die. So we'll see what happens on that. It's a bit of a sideshow fight if I'm being completely honest, but it's a fun one and I'm looking forward to seeing it. So not as much as I'm looking forward to seeing the next two fights. And, and the next one up is the co-main event between Brian Ortega and the current champ, Max Holloway. Now, this is a title fight as the co-main event. Therefore, we're going five five-minute rounds. So a 25-minute fight, which is no problem for either of them because we've seen them both in main events before. We know they both have really, really good cardio. We know Max gets you know better as the fight goes on. Um, but this is a real chance for Brian Ortega to uh, to get something that he's been he's been after for some time. Um, he had a he had two super impressive victories in his last two fights. One over Cub Swanson, where he effectively uh, choked him out twice. The first one was right at the buzzer, but he would have you know Cub Swanson would have been asleep within a couple more seconds. Um, so the bell rang, and you know when the when the next round continued, he grabbed the hold of the neck and then choked him out again. 
Brian Ortega has probably the best jiu-jitsu, active MMA jiu-jitsu in the world today. I'm open to discussion on that. I'm open to hearing arguments on that. But personally, I think the application of his MMA style uh, jiu-jitsu is the best that we've ever seen because he's also very fluid with his stand-up and getting better every time, his kickboxing as well. But if you want to go to the ground with this guy, you are fucked. There's no two ways about it. That's why he's 14-0. That's why his nickname is T-City because he's known for throwing up triangles from his back. He's a an aggressive, offensive fighter from his back. He doesn't play defense. He is so prolific with his pedigree from the Henner um, Jiu-Jitsu Academy or the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Henner Gracie is his main trainer and basically has been his mentor for years. So you do not get a better pedigree of uh, Jiu-Jitsu practitioner than Brian Ortega coming from the camp that he comes from. That said, Max Holloway, who's the current title holder, is arguably one of the best um, featherweights that we've ever seen and could go down if he beats Brian Ortega as the best featherweight of all time because he's 19 and 3. He's on something like a uh, 13 win uh, fight win streak. He has impressively beaten Jose Aldo, who was considered the best of all time in that division, twice handily, second time even worse than the first. And uh, and if it wasn't for an injury to Max, we would have had this fight a couple of months ago. Um, but it was actually supposed to be Frankie, I believe. Um, and then obviously Max got hurt, um, so it had to be put off. But actually, seeing what Brian Ortega did to Frankie Edgar, who had never been stopped before, and Brian Ortega fucking flatlined him, makes this a much more compelling, interesting, and exciting fight because what you've got here is two guys that are in their mid-20s who are at the top of their game, one and two, or champion number one, so one and two in that division, and I would expect that this is potentially, depending on how it goes, this is potentially the first of three um, fights between these two guys, and what we've got the potential here to do is have a real rivalry that doesn't include garbage Mike Perry, Colby Covington type, Chael Sonnen type shit talking, and actually is just a great rivalry based on the merit and skill set of each fighter. Because Max is an amazing stand-up fighter who, with you know with marathon type cardio, Nate Diaz type cardio, Nick Diaz type cardio. And Brian Ortega is just one of the most dynamic up-and-coming fighters that we've seen in years. So I'm super excited about it. I have to say there's something about Max Holloway that I just can't, I don't vibe with. I don't know if it's like a fake arrogance or if it's just a type of arrogance that I don't really like because of how it comes across. But I really want Brian Ortega to win this fight. I think he's a humble guy. He does a shit ton for charity. He's always on Instagram promoting this cause or this cause for the kids and, you know, cancer charities for the kids. And he's always doing shit in the community. I just like that. And you don't see anything like that from Max Holloway. So that coupled with the fact that I don't really like Max Holloway, I appreciate his skill set and I recognize it for how good it is. But I'm a much bigger fan of Brian Ortega, and I love the fact that he's just such a dynamic, 
practitioner of jiu-jitsu who applies it in MMA because when you've got a guy that, that, that is that proficient in jiu-jitsu they tend to be one-dimensional like uh, like a Damian Maya for instance and then once they come up a bit of controversy uh, come up against a bit of uh, controversy or uh, competition outside of their particular skill set like if they're fighting a dynamic striker they just can't deal with it that's not the case for Brian Ortega however we'll see how successful Max can be. It's going to be, it's really a, I think it's a, a story of, of, of two distinct sides. You've got a brilliant practitioner from the ground versus a stud stand-up striker. So who can implement their game? How will they make adjustments? And obviously, what will the result be? For me personally, as a fan, I'm looking for Brian Ortega to win this fight, take the title home. And uh, I think if he does that, we're setting up the chance to have a trilogy with these two. But I think Brian Ortega could potentially hold that title uh, for a long little while. 14-0, um, and 0, so yet to, be, uh, yet to be bested. Should be a good fight. Hopefully fight of the night, if all goes well. Um, unlike the Ngannou and Lewis, which I think if Derek Lewis does implement the strategy that I just mentioned by taking him to the ground... You're going to hear booze basically straight away. Um, and then the last card, or the last fight, I should say, is the main event. Uh, Daniel Cormier, the current light heavyweight champion versus the current heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic. Um, Stipe is the longest running heavyweight champion in UFC history because he has successfully defended his title three times. On the other side, Daniel Cormier has a record of 20-1 and one with one no contest. The only defeat on his record is that to John Jones uh, for the light heavyweight title, which John Jones then got done for testing positive for steroids. So there's a question mark and an asterisk even around that one loss for me on Daniel Cormier. I don't think he would have beat John Jones even if John Jones was clean because I think John Jones is just that good. But nevertheless, we put that asterisk there to make everybody aware of the circumstances because other than that, Daniel Cormier has a completely flawless record at light heavyweight and at heavyweight. He's fought something like eight times at heavyweight and he has fucking mopped the floor with guys that are way bigger than him, both from a height perspective, but also from a weight perspective. Daniel Cormier, do not get it twisted, is already one of the greatest fighters, MMA fighters of all time. If he doubles up his titles and is the light heavyweight and the heavyweight champ at the same time by beating Stipe, he has to be top <coughs> three of all time. I can't give John Jones any conversation to that title anymore because he's such a massive fuck up from a talent pool perspective he is the greatest of all time hands down but if you're a massive fuck up and can't stay active in the sport because you're a degenerate fucking cokehead or steroid user then fuck you you don't deserve to be in the conversation dc who is a consummate professional always shows up always takes the fight always does the business and always fucking wins is definitely in the conversation so is stipe but this is categorically the fight for the baddest man on the planet because that title has always belonged to the heavyweight champ and we are yet to see Daniel Cormier lose at heavyweight. He's getting on in age for sure. We don't know what that's going to look like. But we know that the weight cut down to 205 is murderous for DC 
and he doesn't have to worry about that in this fight. So let's see what he looks like. Let's see how explosive he is. Let's see what kind of strategy he comes out with. But on the other side of that, you've got Stipe, who is a true heavyweight, is going to outweigh and out... Um, he'll be taller by some margin than, uh, than DC. How can he utilize that to his advantage? Will he come straight at DC? Will DC be able to implement his wrestling? Because DC is the best wrestler that Stipe's ever faced by a long shot. But he's no slouch himself. So this is a really, really intriguing fight. And ultimately, the first true, true super fight we've had in some time. Because this is light heavyweight versus heavyweight. And as I said to you just now, the baddest man on the planet is always boxing, combat sports, whatever it is is always the heavyweight champ. It's not the lightweight champ, it's not the welterweight champ, it's always the heavyweight champ because they're the biggest, baddest motherfuckers on the planet and they can usually run it on anybody. So currently that title belongs to Stipe. Daniel Cormier has every opportunity to take it off him, not only to become the baddest man on the planet currently, but to be the, considered in the conversation top one, two, or three of the greatest of all time. Simply because of his record, the competition he's beat, the fact that he's never turned down fights and now the fact that he could potentially be a consecutive um, two title holder, you know? So really, really interesting dynamics on the fight. Um, I'm personally going for Daniel Cormier on this one because I just think he deserves it. The last four years with the John Jones debacle has just been a shit show um, and he deserves to put that shit all behind him. And you can wait for John Jones to come out afterwards. I mean, he's already started barking, um, but you can wait for him to come out afterwards and start talking shit. But ultimately, he's not in the conversation because he's not in the fucking sport right now. He's still suspended. So we deal with this fight. Um, and I'd like to see Daniel Cormier take uh, take take both titles home. Um, I got nothing against Stipe. I think he's a great guy. Um, but ultimately, the rumor is that Daniel Cormier is going to retire if he wins. So he will sign off his career as a two-weight world champion, undefeated at heavyweight, as a five-foot-eight man. Um, I think his record, again, speaks for himself, and we have to hold him up for the consummate professional that he is. Whilst holding down a broadcasting job, whilst being a fucking tip-top family man, whilst being a coach and a mentor to young kids at his wrestling school. I mean, there's really nothing bad about DC. Um, and I think more people need to get on his side and uh, and show him some fucking some love and respect because uh, he deserves it and he's done the work, you know, ex Olympian. He's um, he's just an absolute stud of a character, stud of an athlete, and uh, and I met him in Sweden and he's fucking he's a nice nice guy, man. He he photobombed me, John Anik, um, I can't remember who the fuck else was in the photo, uh, Phil Davis, I think. Um, but he's just a great guy, man. You know, he gives a, he gives his time for fans. He gives his time for his pupils and just an overall solid, solid guy. So I'm going to go with DC on that. And I, and that's going to wrap up the, uh, the fight card. So we'll see what the outcome is. There's some real implications here, um, for the future of like a number of divisions. Obviously the winner of the Ngannou and Lewis fight could potentially be in line to fight the winner of the Miocic uh, Cormier fight, but if Cormier retires, he could potentially um, put that up for a vacant 
kind of uh, a vacancy spot and then they could have a tournament or something like that or maybe the winner of Nganu faces Miocic and maybe that's a rematch between Nganu if he wins and Stipe or maybe Derek Lewis gets bumped up and he gets a shot at the title who the fuck knows but for Holloway and Ortega same thing man this could start a this could start a this could start a real um, a real um, kind of trilogy matchup um, a real back and forth kind of uh, uh, kind of situation here, but we'll see. That's obviously you know chicken before the egg and uh, and cart before the horse. But I think overall it's going to be a good event. I don't think it's going to be the fireworks that everybody expects it to be. Um, but I'm just hoping that the last three fights live up to what people are hoping, and then you know mix in a couple of great performances in uh, in the mix, and I think everybody will be generally happy. But Run it back. Let me just give you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Cormier beats Stipe. I'm thinking Ortega beats uh, Holloway. So we're going to have, based on that prediction, you're going to have a two-weight world champion, Daniel Cormier, with the light heavyweight and heavyweight titles. You're going to have a new uh, featherweight champion, Brian Ortega. <clears throat> I think Derek Lewis is going to beat Francis Ngannou with the caveat that he doesn't get hit in the first round. Um, I think Michael Chiesa is going to beat Anthony Pettis probably by submission. And if Khalil Roundtree can't take Gokan Saki down, he is going to get his fucking face punched and kicked off. And then the rest of them, have fun, predict them yourself, watch them, record them, check them out the next day. My only thing on the, um, on the prelims is that Mike Perry gets his fucking head pounded in because I don't like people that are bad for the sport and I think people like him and Colby Covington are bad for the sport. So that's how I'm going to sign off. Um, I don't know if there's any other MMA news. Oh, yeah, fucking Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell are fighting again. <coughs> I'm going to give you a fart sound on that one because Chuck Liddell is already slurring his words to the point where you can barely understand what he's saying. This is the last thing he should be sanctioned to do. I think it's disgraceful. I think he's got no business doing it. Tito is obviously doing it, you know, because he still likes fighting. I think Chuck can justify that he still likes fighting to himself. But ultimately, somebody in his team or around his family should be stepping in and saying, hey, you could become a fucking vegetable after this fight. And nobody wants to see a 50-year-old man fight especially when they've seen him get knocked out the amount of times we've seen Chuck get knocked out. You know, he had his time. He was on the, he was at the pinnacle of his career. It's over. It's over. And these sideshow things that Delahoy and Golden Boy promotions are trying to do is fucking shambolic. So I'm not watching that fight. I won't watch that fight. I'll see, I'm sure, whatever fucking highlights there is of that fight. I can't imagine that there are going to be too many because... You know, Tito's got multiple fused discs in his back, fucking whatever, compressed vertebrae, whatever, and Chuck's a walking fucking uh, dementia case. So, not interested. You know what I'm saying? Not interested. We all know how this story ends for most of these guys, or for a lot of these guys, or how it can end for these guys. But we try to park that in the interest of, you know, loving the sport and... and, and and appreciating the discipline. But when you put it front and center, where there's clearly two guys that have no business being in the ring, it just makes a mockery of the sport. This is this is another version of taking it just to purely entertainment spaces, except for the fact that there are real physical consequences to these fights. Um, 
I'm done with the CM Punk days. I'm done with the pro wrestling fucking promotional bullshit. I'm done with these old fucks wanting to come back in and just have fights even though they're legends and they deserve to do whatever they want to do. And if they want to fight, okay, great. But I'm not going to fucking support it. So that's it. You've got my predictions for UFC 226. You've got my thoughts on the Chuck and Tito fight. And now I'm getting the fuck out of here. So... Thanks for listening, guys. As always, you know where to find us. We got SoundCloud. We got iTunes. We got TuneIn. Then we got our Facebook page. We got our Twitter page. You can subscribe on the first three, and you can keep up with news and views and all the updates on the second two, uh, on the last two that I just mentioned there. So download, rate us, feed us. Feed us? Hungry. Feed us. Give us feedback. Um, We want to hear from you guys. Uh, Keep downloading. Keep listening. Um, I see you guys all out there and I appreciate it. So that's episode two. We got through it in 45, which is better than I thought. I thought we're going to push an hour on that. So I'm actually quite happy with that. There's your UFC 226 breakdown and my thoughts on what the results will be. So I'm out. And I'm your host as always. My name's Daryl. This is The Quiet Part Loud. Get outside and enjoy the sunshine, folks. Until next time, all the best.